Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producers Fanah Marie, each week I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Breaking news out of over thousands of applicants, the Verbally Effective podcast has been selected to showcase at the 2020 South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Ina Esco will be interviewing Taylor to the Stars and Memphis native Rich Fresh on the big stage. And I have one more announcement. We are having Podbox Episode 3 this Saturday, December 7th, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at All World Project Management. That's 60 North BB King Boulevard, 38103. All my podcasters in the Mid-South area, come and find out how you can grow your podcast. Get more listeners, attract sponsors, exhibit a live show. Come on out to Podbox 3 this Saturday, December 7th, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at All World Project Management. What's up? It's Milton Memphis, also known as uh, my real name, Milton Howard III. And I'm hanging out with Ina Esco on Verbally Effective Podcast. What's good? It's Big Sue, and I'm hanging out with my girl, Ina Esco. We're going to chop it up about everything. You hear me? Everything on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Jay Willow presents Evolution of Cocktails 2 at the Clark Opera Memphis, 6745 Wolf River Boulevard, Saturday, December 7th. Doors open at 8 p.m. This year's guests will enjoy several local bars and bartending companies engineering handcrafted cocktails such as Trap Fusion, Taylor's Union, Sage, Mixmasters Bartending Company, and the return of the Privileged Bar. This year's event is featuring Rakeem celebrity mixologist from VH1's Girls Cruise at the Privileged Bar. Live music from Devin Crutcher featuring my Bosby and the Hard Hitters Band. Come on out to Evolution of Cocktails 2 at the Clock Opera Memphis, Saturday, December 7th. I am Andrea Finis, and I am verbally effective because I am living my life as authentic and as organic as possible. I'm here to inspire others by searching for myself and my garden. Andrea Finis is a Memphis-based creative and multidisciplinary branding consultant with extensive experience in the design and lifestyle industry. Andrea has collaborated with brands to evoke stories through visual storytelling. Andrea uses design in every facet of her day-to-day life. Motherhood, fashion, design, beauty, and whole living is a lifestyle. She values living her work and looks for new opportunities to design and create experiences in lifestyle category. A professional stylist since 2005, Andrea has slowly been building her brand, meticulously planning each move and appearing on nationally syndicated shows like Good Morning Memphis as a style correspondent, BET's 106 in Park, and working with brands such as Macy's. 
Andrea Finis, as a personal brand and influencer, builds on her experience with styling and encompasses Finis' ultimate goal to design a balanced and stylish lifestyle. Andrea has used this endeavor as a springboard for her other business ventures, personal image development and lifestyle coaching, and workshops, creative consultant to artists, and content creation or creative direction for media publications and brands such as Macy's, Art by Design, Eyewear, and Ikea. On the horizon are lifestyle workshops such as the popular Brunch and Sew and Blueprint to assist women with obtaining a fuller yet more balanced life, stylishly of course, while also adding more clients to her roster. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco in the building. Thank you guys so much for listening. Today I have with me a young lady that has been on quite a journey and you know what? She has been blogging before blogging was even invented. And she has her hands in so many things. I'm going to let her talk all about it. She is the founder of her brand, In Search of Our Gardens. I have Andrea Fenice with me on the pod. Hey, pretty lady. Hey, Ina. Thank How you for having you? me. I'm great. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I remember meeting you like, what was it, like 10 years ago? You were yeah. into fashion then. Mm -hmm. You're into fashion still to this day, but right. it has evolved totally. Totally. It's been a, and it's been a beautiful evolution, but it has yeah. evolved. It definitely. has evolved. Yes. Yes. So let's start at the beginning, Andrea. Where are you from in Memphis? I am from North Memphis. North, North. <laughs> north, North. From okay. Klondike and Hollywood. Oh, so. that's real. Exactly. Memphis, north Memphis. <laughs> right. I know what Klondike and Hollywood right. is. Right. I grew up in St. Court Apartments at Watkins and Brown. Okay. And then about 12, we moved to Hollywood or Springdale. I know so, Springdale. Yep, I lived I off Springdale. Lived off of Springdale. Mm -hmm. wow. I lived off of Springdale. So, so how was it growing up in North Memphis? Um... It was great. I guess being a child from what they say, the hood, you don't know the problems. I guess I was oblivious to all things that were going on. But um, as an adult, I appreciate growing up in North Memphis because it keeps you grounded. It keeps you humble. Um, you see the real world and what people really go through. And um, you learn how to adapt. Definitely. To a lot of different situations. But um, I had a good childhood for the most part, you know. Yeah. Of course, there were things that I wish I could change, but. Like what? Just, I was born to teenage parents, you know, and they had their own set of issues and, you know, growing up in the hood. And, you know, you know, as a parent, they aren't given guidebooks or manuals on how to be the best parent. They were just living. Right. And they each had their own set of situations and traumas and mm. you know and just trying to raise two kids wow. you know dealing with life is yeah. you know a lot but they did the best they could and they did good yeah. you know looking considering. at you, they did real good <laughs> they did real good thank you now what school were you attending in north memphis back in the day so i went to klondike until i think second grade and then for a little bit i went to a couple of elementary schools in fraser mm -hmm. um because my mom became a flight attendant, and she moved to Pittsburgh, and we stayed behind with my great aunt, who was like 82 years old. Mm. Um, and so we went to a couple of elementaries in Frazier, and then I got bused to Craigmont in high school because okay. I called, when well, my dad called from, he had a little, 
you know, situation where he called from jail. And I was like, I want to go to Northside. Like, I want to go to Northside bad. He was like, the hell, you ain't going to Northside. Right. And he went to Northside. I was like, you and Mama both graduated right. from Northside. Why can't I go to Northside? No. Mm-hmm. You can bust the Craigman. So I was bust the Craigman, which was good. I mm-hmm. think it changed the trajectory of my life going to, at the time, Craigman was um, majority white. And so I went on a, what they call it, minority to majority transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, I went to Craig Mine and did Craig the whole Mine. Raleigh thing, you okay, know. But, Raleigh. Yeah. Okay, so at Craig Mine, what were you into? Like, what did your crew look like? How were you dressing? What activities were you involved in? So high school was really strange for me. Okay. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was very shy and introverted. But for some reason, like, everybody knew who I was. Um, I was slick popular, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. Um, I got named Best Dressed every year, um, was on the dance team, but I, I don't feel like I had a lot of friends. Mm. But a lot of people knew me. They called me Apple. Why they um, call you Apple? And they still do. Like Apple. now. Yes. So the story goes, I got bus from Hollywood. Well, I caught the city bus from Hollywood to Douglas. Because the bus ran from Douglas. So I had to catch see the bus to Douglas. And I rode the bus with a lot of kids from Douglas. Because I was shy, I didn't tell anybody my name. So this little boy named Danny, I guess, had a crush on me. And one day, riding the bus home, he kept asking my name. And I wouldn't tell him because I was shy. But I was eating a green apple. Mm-hmm. And from there, he started calling me Apple. When everybody asked what was my name, he said Apple. And so... Mm-hmm. That was my nickname <laughs> throughout <laughs> junior high. Like out. all the teachers, the principals, everybody called me everybody Apple. Everybody calling you Apple. Everybody and called you me was Apple. Responding. And I was responding to her <laughs> like a fool. But like if you see somebody like now yeah. and you show them my picture or they just remember, they'll say, oh, that's Apple. Apple. Yeah. So that's going to live with you. Forever. But high wow. school was, it was good. I, I mean, like I said, I had my home, my home issues, which caused me to be shy and introverted. But how I became popular, I have no idea because I didn't really talk to anybody. I was scared. Hmm. You were best dressed. Yeah. So what was going on with the best dress back then? Like you were making your own thing going. You were different. Yeah. So I was thrifting then. Mm -hmm. My mom would give us, my brother and I have a little brother. um, She would give us $200 for seasonal wardrobe so spring and summer we had $200 fall and winter we had $200 and we had to make that $200 work Mm -hmm. so I would go to thrift store rainbow or whatever and get all these cheap pieces and mix and match and put them together but I had my own little identity or my own look I guess because I would watch all these fashion shows on ETV and read Teen Vogue and, you know, the teen magazines and like replicate the looks in those magazines with pieces from the thrift store or Mm -hmm. Rainbow, you know, places I can get a shirt for two dollars. You made it happen. Uh, yeah, I was resourceful then because I had to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like my mom and dad didn't have a whole lot of money for me to go to Dillard's or J.C. Penney's and the Raleigh Springs malls. So I had to make whatever store. It wasn't Rainbow, it was some other little Simply Fashion or mm. something like that. That's you know, all right. One of them little. <laughs> It's fashion, it's one fashion. of those kind of places. And I had to just figure it out and make it my own. And I guess fashion has always been the way I made a statement mm-hmm. because I was always so shy. That was the way I expressed myself. But you were on a dance team. I, you I told you, you it was weird. Dance? I have not, I could dance. Like, I am naturally a dancer. Oh. I, it was just, I don't know. It was just, 
I have no idea. That's why I say high school was strange. Okay. Because you, cause you said you didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't. I had. Maybe you just didn't fuck with a lot of people. Maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so. it was that. Yeah, because, you know, girl, and especially the girls from Douglas, they was like, you know, mm-hmm. girl. you know but i I guess i didn't fit in because i wasn't from douglas nor was i from raleigh Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i didn't i wasn't from either neighborhood so Mm -hmm. i didn't have friends i had two friends shalina mcwilliams who lived in douglas from pope and nikhil she lived in raleigh that's it and maria she was filipino are y'all still friends um we're still friends but Mm -hmm. i don't talk to them as often right you know but we're still friends yeah. Okay. So I had uh, two black friends and a Philip um friend, Filipino. Filipino. Yeah, that's it. Well that's not like a, a nice number and a good mix. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Okay, so Craigmont. Senior year in Craigmont. What is it looking like? Um I didn't go to prom with a date. No. No. I went to prom with my friends, Nikhil and Maria. <laughs> um I was on the dance team. I was supposed to go to Texas Southern, but for whatever reason, I don't think my parents were, I don't remember. I hope I don't make them feel bad. My mom feel bad. Um, I don't remember them helping me with college applications. Mine didn't either. So, <laughs> Mine didn't either. Um, I, I remember taking a flight to Texas Southern, like my senior year, going to see the campus, and my mom was like, we can't afford out-of-state tuition. And so- Same here. She was like, you're going to have to go to the University of Memphis. I was like, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I ended up applying to MTSU, like, very late. Like, I remember graduating and applying to MTSU and getting in. Oh, that was right on time. Yeah. So I didn't plan. You didn't want to stay in Memphis. Uh-uh. You wanted to get away. I did. Why? Definitely. I just wanted an experience outside of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, and I was 17. I graduated early. I wanted to get away, mm-hmm. you know, and get away from my mom and daddy. Life. <laughs> yes, experience do life, different. do something different. Okay. So how was it when you got to MTSU? It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, my first year, I did not do well. You was I enjoyed the freedom way too much. Ah! <laughs> um, and I had, my boyfriend was like the star football player. Mm-hmm. He ended up getting drafted to the NFL my oh. freshman year. Oh, did yeah. y'all stay together? We did for 12 years. We got girl, engaged and everything, girl. About? Wait a minute. He got drafted <laughs> to the NFL. Let me see he if did. I remember. He did. Oh. It was good. So, you know, and I pledged, aka um, my oh. sophomore year. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. The only. Yes. Um, so it was good. The sorority life was good. Um, but even in that, I was kind of like not too attached to, to campus life because I was flying out to see my boyfriend. Oh. Um, so, but college life was good. I learned a lot. I had a lot of good experience and a lot of bad ones too. But that's what college is about. Mm-hmm. You know, you really learn who you are, mm-hmm. um, and it makes you a better person, especially going away. Mm-hmm. What was your major? It was. Chemistry and biology. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. based on everything uh-huh. you got going on right. now, uh-huh. I can see it makes that. a full circle. It does. So I majored in pre pharmacy at okay. MTSU. Moved back to Memphis because I got accepted to U um, UT. I had never planned on coming back to Memphis at all. Okay, unless I got into UT, and that's why I came back. What the NFL do say? He hated it. Okay, you know, um, girl. 
<laughs> I feel like we missed a chapter. <laughs> the NFL, so, dude. Okay. When you date somebody, this not for all the NFL players, mm-hmm. but some of them cannot adapt to real life after the league. Mm. And that was his problem. Um, we were together for 12 years. He didn't propose to me until I moved back to Memphis for pharmacy school. And I felt like he didn't propose until I got back because he was now out of the league and I was going to be a doctor. And he was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Let me get my shit together. Exactly. I got you. And I felt a little tainted because I was like, you ain't really, you know, want to put this down until... (laughs) Mm-hmm. I'm finna be a doctor, like, you know, and I guess it just caused problems with us. And I remember when we broke up, it was because he told me I thought I was better. We had a discussion about black people not capitalizing on their opportunities. Like, just because you're from the hood doesn't mean you have to stay there. And his sentiment was that everybody can't do better. And I was like, you have choices. Everybody has choices and everybody has options. Like, I'm from the hood, too, you know, and now I'm in pharmacy school. I chose to do better. So we had this big old spat about that. And, girl, he went off and was cussing me out and talking about, I think I'm better because I'm going to be a doctor, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, "Eh, let's pause this. We ain't got to do this, you know, like, let's let this go. And we let it go. But his bigger issue was that I think he started kind of losing his mind because he didn't have all the money anymore he didn't have the cars you know all the friends he paid for trips and abortions for their girls and not they gone you know what i'm saying he just couldn't deal with it and i couldn't deal with it because i wasn't gonna deal with it Wow. so but it was a good life you Mm know i had cars in college and i had money and you was doing it at the nfl game yeah yeah. And then he didn't want to put a ring on it during all that time. Mm-mm. But wanted to out. do it to after. No, sir. Boy, We're not I. doing that. So you, exactly. look, you in pharmacy school. How how did that go? It was good Um, while it lasted. I wasn't really happy. Why not? I never wanted to go to pharmacy school. I didn't. I wanted to go to New York and dance, ballet. Okay. And um, my parents were not having it. I was supposed to be their ticket out or their trophy, you know, something for them to display. Like, they didn't go to college. And so the pressure was really on me Mm. to make my family proud by being a doctor. Were they very vocal about that with you? Oh, yes. Like, you got to do this, Andrea. Yeah. I I got my last whooping at 17 in Captain D's on Fraser Boulevard. And not whooping with a belt like my daddy's hands. Because we got into an argument about what I was going to school for. Mm-hmm. He was like, you're not going to school for no motherfucking ballet. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to make no money. And I was like, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying I am. And he kept saying, okay, I'm going to show you that you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, they were young and they didn't get a manual. They didn't know how to do it. Um, and so I was supposed to be their way out yeah. and I went to pharmacy school but I hated it you hated it yeah even I, with your background in chemistry and all of that I love that I just don't like healthcare okay I don't like um and that's how I end up getting to in search of my gardens I don't like that healthcare pushes synthetic medication on people you know you're buying all these you're getting all these prescriptions for one thing and then it causes 50 other side effects and it just mm-hmm. becomes a cycle of, of people being medicated and not yeah 
treating the root cause of it, which nine times out of ten is just diet mm. or some type of lifestyle modification. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't see myself doing that forever. Mm-hmm. I can't count by fives for the rest of my life at Walgreens standing on my feet. Mm. That's just not me. You know, I'm a creative spirit. I'm a Sagittarius, so I like freedom and mm-hmm. I like new experiences. I can't be in the same place every day, wow. you know, and so I quit. So you quit UT. What did you do? I started, I had a mirror. Um, I ended up getting pregnant shortly after. I was supposed to be going to New York, but I ended up getting pregnant. To go to ballet school. To go to fashion design school. Because okay. now I want to be a fashion designer. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> because remember, when I was younger, I was putting all these looks together. Yeah. Um, supposed to go to New York, but didn't. Um, end up getting pregnant, and I started blogging. Working full-time at Walgreens and then Open Style Junkie. Mm-hmm. So, what made you start blogging? Because what year was this you started blogging? This was blogging? early in blogging, like before right. blogging was blogging. And right. so that was like 2007. Mm. Um, I was reading blogs. At the time, blogging was like journal entry. People were just on the internet talking about whatever they love, expressing themselves. Mm. And I was reading, at the time, one of my favorite bloggers was Chicky Finance. Um, it was this girl who never showed herself. She never had pictures online, but she was blogging about her journey in finance mm-hmm. of saving an X amount of number of money. And once she saved that amount of money, then she would just disappear off the Internet. Mm. And it just captivated me that, like, you watch this girl, like, stack her money, go through all these financial journeys. And when she saved her money, like, she disappeared. Mm. And there were, like, natural hair bloggers that were talking about their hair. It was just so organic and authentic mm-hmm. at the time that it was really great to read, you know, and I was like, I'm going to blog about my journey, you know, in fashion, and I've been doing it ever since Mm -hmm. 2007. Wow. So when you first started blogging, did you have a following? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think anybody read it. I'm sure if it was on the internet, just like you were reading this lady's blog. Yes. Maybe so. People, maybe people were reading it, but I wasn't really checking to see if people were reading mm-hmm. it. I was just doing at the, it because you love. Yeah, the internet then was so it was so different. It yeah. was just like new. <laughs> it was new. People were just writing about whatever they loved, and that's what right. I was doing. Okay, so yeah. you were blogging and you opened your store, yes. Style Junkie. Tell me about that. So Amir's dad and I, I think I opened it up. Um, she wasn't even walking yet. Um, yeah, she was. It was 2008, 2009. I wanted to own a store. I wanted to own something. I was working as a pharmacy tech instructor um, at High Tech. And I was like, I hate working. I want to own my own business. And so I started researching boutiques and how to buy wholesale. And so found an art gallery. I went to um, martial arts. Mm -hmm. And at the time, pop-ups were like all the rage in Europe. And I wanted to do that pop-up concept. It was new. It was like, okay, you pop up and you stay there temporarily for a year or so and you disappear and open up somewhere else. And so that was what Style Junkie was supposed to be. But it was just a shoe and accessory store. All I saw was shoes and accessories, and it was very profitable. Mm. It was, I guess, my introduction to Memphis, like introducing myself, who I really was, to the city. And... um. That's when I started getting a following. That's when people were like, oh, she on Style Junkie. Mm-hmm. I had pink floors and all these it shoes. Was cute. It was cute. It was cute. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really fun time mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
So how long did you do Style Junkie? Um, maybe two years. I had a real bad car accident. Um, people don't know why I closed it, but I ended up having a real bad car accident. And um, just didn't have the money to keep it afloat because I got sued by the girl. She lied and said I ran a light. Mm. And at the time, I didn't know. I didn't really study business like I should have, having an LLC and protecting my personal finances. And so I just tried to keep it afloat during the time I was being sued. I ended up getting my money back because we went to trial and, you know, I won, got my money back. My accounts were frozen mm. because of that, because I didn't have an LLC, which is a lesson to entrepreneurs. Like, if you got a business, you need an LLC. Like, and I think going through all of that, it just taught me to really level up as a business owner. Like, yeah. take care of the business. Everything is fun. Like, Style mm. Junkie was cute. The shoes were cute. It was cute to style people. But at the end of the day... You were doing it all off of your personal yeah. accounts. Yeah. You didn't... I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know because I didn't have a lot of entrepreneur friends at the time. I didn't have a mentor. This was all new and just something fun to do, mm. you know. Um, but with every business and and everything in life, you you learn, you know. And that was just a life lesson for me. Wow. Yeah. But it was good. It was a good lesson to learn. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. And so- I had a young baby too at the time, so I was like, ooh. I can't yeah. be broke out here with a baby. I remember <laughs> when you had your baby. Yes. And and what what I remember about your baby is she's always been a dance too. Always. She get it from She's my your mama. little ballerina. She is, she is. And I don't share a lot that I dance, but yeah, I'm a really good dancer. I did not know you dance. Mm-hmm. Yep. I dance ballet, hip hop, contemporary, salsa now. That's my yes. thing now. But yeah. Hubby, that's uh-huh. outside. Yep. Okay. That's how we met, girl. I bet. I I was a Latina in my, in a past life, I believe. Oh, where do you all go salsa in Memphis? At Rumba Room. Rumba Room. Room? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a big um, salsa community. Well, kind of, it's a mid salsa community here, but it's a very tight salsa community. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful community. It's not just Latinas, it's black, white, everybody. Mm -hmm. Dance doesn't see color. Dance is just dance. If you can move your body. I do too. It's therapeutic. We do, girl. It's fun. <laughs> it's so fun. Okay. Okay. You should go sometime. I will. What night yeah. y'all be going? Thursday. So, fr- nuh-uh. Friday is bachata. Um, okay. And Saturday is salsa. Saturday is a more popular night. Mm-hmm. And you just literally dance all night. It's not like a meat market like some clubs. Like, you literally dance all night. Men come up and ask if you want to dance. If you do, you do. If you don't, you and don't. And it's okay. That's that's the mood, yeah. the culture. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. okay if you don't know how to dance. Mm-hmm. Like, they have salsa lessons. You know, it's just a fun time. Yeah, it's a fun time. And you get to fun. meet new people. That's where I met my husband. That's where you met your husband. Mm-hmm. So you had, it's like, I'm going to do salsa tonight with your friend. Well, that's not how it went. Tell me how it went, meeting so, hubby, honey. I, girl, okay, You, my father passed away in 2013, and grief kicked my ass, like, terribly bad. But it also was a good thing because through grieving, I found myself. Um, I went to a Reiki session, and during the Reiki session, the lady, you know, read my energy, and because I had shut off dance from the little whooping and Captain D's to stop dancing after that. Mm. Um, she was like, did you used to dance? And I'm like, yeah. She was like, because I get the energy. And maybe you should start dancing because your root chakra is, like, super blocked. Like, 
I can't get through it. And she was like, you need to move your body. You need to find some type of dance and some rhythm and some drums. And she was like, try salsa dancing or African dancing. Well, I tried to do African dance. (laughs) But every time I went to the girl's studio, it was closed. So Mm. I was like, this is not going to work. So I Googled salsa dancing in Memphis and saw Rumba Room. I went by myself on a Saturday night, dropped the mirror off to my grandma, and walked in the club by myself. And mm. come to find out, my friend was DJing in there. He was like, what you doing in here? I'm like, what you doing in here? I didn't even know he DJed there. Shout out to Brian De Los Santos. Okay. Um, but um, from there, I started going every Saturday night, taking the lessons. I took some lessons at Minglewood Hall. I found what resonated with me at the time. And it was salsa dance, and it was the music and the drums, the, you know, just the feel. And maybe third or fourth night, my husband walked in, and I was like, he looked like El Chapo. Like, ah, <laughs> she said El Chapo. Yeah, like, who is this Mexican coming in here? Mm-hmm. You're smelling good, got the nice suit on, the jewelry. <laughs> he walked outside, he got a beam room. Like, okay, Chapo. Hey, El Chapo. Right. We went to meet Tierra <laughs> after with a group of friends to eat Colombian food, and it's just been that ever since. Mm. Ever so, since. was it an immediate? It was. We were on a dance floor, and I had never done this. And I sound like a little thought. But (laughs) we were on the dance floor, and he was like, can I kiss you? And Mm. I had a couple of mojitos, and I was like, sure. Mm. And kissed him on the dance floor, and I was like, girl, what the hell are you doing? Mm. But I knew at that moment, and he said at the same time that, you know, it was meant to be. He was me, no hugs. It was. He Mm. was just waiting on me at Rumble Room, and I didn't even know it. But I had to go through all these journeys to get to Rumble Room. I had to start looking for myself, like who I really was in my core, you know, to get to where I am now on this path. Do you think if you didn't have that energy reading that you would know? Would you, I mean. I, I believe in everything being a sign. Every single thing. Mm-hmm. Everything is in sync. Your life is already predestined. You just have to have the faith and the trust to follow the path. You got to follow the signs. I read The Alchemist a long time ago and realized then that. God, whoever you believe in, God, angels, universe, sign, whatever, when you see those signs, you have to follow them. And that's what I started doing. Um, Even my dad's day of death was a sign. And um, from, from my dad's death, from the day he passed away, I knew this was a new path, and I had to follow everything I saw. It could be a red bird, and I'm like, that was a sign. It could be numbers. And I realized I have to follow whatever presents itself to me. And no, if I had not done the reading, I would not know to go salsa dance and I would not have met my husband. I would not have my child. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or even just the experiences I've had. I wouldn't be learning a new language and just opening up so many other portals had I not followed all these signs. And you know what? I've been following you on social media for a long time. And one thing I do know about you is like, you know, you post what you are going through you mm-hmm. you share you know and you do it you have a great way of doing it Good. you know how to communicate yeah and so i remember when you met your hubby uh-huh. i remember all that period from yeah. your social media and now you have a beautiful baby boy i do i do what is his name jaciel he I is i call him so senor jaciel senor jaciel garcia yes how is that being another mommy girls a challenge it's a challenge in, it's the, a, in the, at this point, huh? It is. Because, I, girl, it was just me and Amir for 10 years. And Amir and I have found our groove. It was just mm-hmm. us, you know. And y'all seem so close. We are. Mm-hmm. We are. And um, this new baby come, we like both of us looking like, what the hell? 
Mm-hmm. But he's he's a sweet boy. He's a blessing. I suffered a loss before him. So Did you? Yeah. I lost a baby at 18 or 19 weeks before him. Mm-hmm. So um, he's my rainbow baby. He's definitely a rainbow. Um, But he's a blessing. So when I find myself stressing or complaining like, ooh, he won't go to sleep. Or, you know, I have to remember Mm-hmm. that I asked for him. I prayed to God for him. And so I should be grateful. So you were ready for another baby. I was. I was. Yeah. Yeah. That clock be ticking, huh? Girl. And I'm <laughs> old know. as hell, too. <laughs> I know, because my two boys are nine years apart. Ooh. So I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But it's not a bad thing. It's it, uh-uh. He's been a blessing. It's just me having to slow down. Mm-hmm. I was so used to going and going and going. Ripping and running for the business, trying to be at this event, trying to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to be intentional mm-hmm. with how I spend my time, what type of projects I work on, you know, saying no to things that are not beneficial, that are not going to pay off. Amen. Like, I don't rip and run like that anymore because, mm-hmm. one, I can't, you know, with a new baby. But, two, I don't want to. Right. You know? Right. It's some power in telling people no. I learned. It's a lot of power. Therapy yes. helped me learn how to say no. How long you been in therapy? I just started. This is my third session. But I did a lot of work before. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my line sisters is a therapist, and um, she's very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so she and I kind of slick were doing counseling before. Um, you and her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, she was a person I can call and be like, hey, I'm going through this or can I talk or, you know, can you listen? You know what I mean? Um, But I learned a lot about myself, good habits and bad habits. And also things that were controlling me that I had no idea were controlling me. Mm. And that was people Mm. and not knowing how to say no to people. Yeah. Uh, You were a people pleaser. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been guilty. Yeah, just don't want people to be mad at me, you know, and that's from childhood trauma. Um, But people will run over you. Definitely, if you let them, yeah. They will use you, run over you, and you sitting there saying yes to everything, and they don't even care. Yeah, (laughs) they don't. So I learned to say no, and it's it's helped me so much. Yeah, and there's power in no. Now, What's going on with you right now, Andrea? I know you have this wonderful brand called In Search of Our Gardens. Tell me about this wonderful brand. So In Search of Our Gardens began with me reading Alice Walker's In Search of Our Garden. Mm -hmm. This was during my, you know, I need to find out who I am journey. And um, there is an essay in her book called In Search of Our Gardens where she talks about her relationship with her mother and part of my trauma or things that I was dealing with um, was my relationship with both my parents and my, and my relationship with my mother. Um, A lot of black women don't talk about the mother issues that we have. Um, And so Alice Walker mentioned in the essay, she discusses black women and their mothers and, um, how a lot of black mothers or black women back in the day could not be themselves creatively because they were so bogged down with day-to-day life of working for the slave master or working for the, you know, the white family and they could not be their creative selves. They were amazing artists, amazing writers or gardeners, but it was always stifled. And so Alice Walker in search of her mother's gardener, trying to heal her mother, she found her own garden. 
And so it was so parallel to my own life. Um, going back and researching my mother's issues was maternal abandonment um, and trying to break this generational curse of mother issues. And during that journey, I realized that in finding the beauty and the grace in trauma helps you heal. And so it it's kind of morphed into a lifestyle blog where it's a resource for black women. Because I was talking to my friend Kim today, like, I don't know if we realize that some of us are not taught basic things like sustainable living or simple living or how to be graceful as a black woman by our mothers. And so the blog is the intent of the blog is to be a resource for black women, how to sew, how to cook this meal, how to decorate your home, how to set your own beauty rituals as a black woman, how to garden, you know, basic, simple and sustainable living, but in a more well-designed feminine aesthetic. It doesn't have to be so old school. It's a modern take on simple and sustainable living and healing from what God gave us. So natural medicine, you know, um, I have a blog post about using old lemon peels and making lemon time cleanser for your home. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what it's about. But it's also a way for me to complete what I didn't finish in pharmacy school. So I've always studied herbal medicine. Um, I have a remedy for everything. And <laughs> yes, I have books on books on books about herbal remedies. I've, But that's from my dad's grandmother. Like she had a winery. Um, she grew all of her vegetables. Everything she ate was fresh from her garden. And so um, over time, I would like to be the source for people in Memphis to come to for herbs and natural remedies and natural medicine and um natural hair care and skincare products. So that's what In Search of Our Gardens the Apothecary is. And the, and the blog is just a resource for black women, mm-hmm. a safe space and a resource. Wow. So mm-hmm. one day we'll be able to come. Yes. I have a brick and mortar soon. Yeah, I know you will. Yeah. And I, I there's, uh, there's so much I envision for it. Like I would love to have it on a lot of land, like a big house on land where women can come and get treatment. Women and men, you can come get treatments and bathhouses and retreats and pool vegetables from the garden like I'm working on a community garden mm-hmm. um, I would love it to be in North Memphis but if not South Memphis is good because that's where I am now mm-hmm. but yeah and a nonprofit. like I want to have a nonprofit for young girls young black girls or brown girls in the city mm-hmm. and you know what a lot of the things that you mentioned that you want to focus on like you know creating the gardens learning how to sew these things are very therapeutic in themselves. They are. You know. They are. Yes, yes. Like, when I I started my garden, I didn't know anything about gardening because my mama didn't teach me. But she has an amazing green thumb. Um, I, t- I asked my neighbor across the street, could he till my soil? And he was like, yeah, if you buy me a pack of palm oil and a Tahitian treat. And he did. He did. He pulled the roots up and the weeds and made the garden and put the soil down. And I just started planting and I worked the garden every morning, every night. I watered it. Um, but what I realized was that I was working on myself. Mm-hmm. It was a way for me to pull up my own weeds and to water myself. It was oh. so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, I was like, ooh, I got all these cucumbers, all these squash, you all these potatoes. Like, it's yeah. the most beautiful thing in the you world. You ate it. Yes. And it's it's just parallel to your own life when you're doing work on yourself. Like it's not always pretty. You know, it's dirty. Like gardening is not 
beautiful. You get bit by mosquitoes. You have dirt under your nails. But the work, the end result is so beautiful. And so that's why I call my brand In Search of Our Gardens because when women come to my site or they come to events or come to the retreat, it's not going to be pretty work. Healing is not pretty, but it's worth it. Yeah, It's definitely worth it. Definitely. Wow. And you know what? My sister... She actually attended one of your brunch and soul sessions. Yes, Tyra. I forget Tyra's your yes. sister. Yes. Yes. So tell me about brunch and soul and when we going to bring it back. So brunch and soul will come back, but mm-hmm. it's going to come back under In Search of Our Gardens. Okay. Um, I had to stop brunch and soul when I had the miscarriage um, mm. because I just realized some, some things needed to stop for a minute. Um, but brunch and soul was, girl, it was, it was. So rewarding. I wanted to teach women how to sew. Mm-hmm. I had to teach myself and make mistakes. I was like, no, I'm not going to let people do that. I'm going to have workshops and teach people how to sew. And I love food. Mm-hmm. I'm going to serve brunch. And my my friend Kamisha and I, who's she's in Germany now, but um, we started it together. She did the brunch component, and I did the sewing component. And we hosted women. Sometimes they would totally sell out, have waiting lists. I taught people how to make kimonos, skirts. Mm-hmm purses whatever um it was a really good time really good time but it's gonna come back on in search of our garden yep my sister absolutely loved yeah. it everybody did i'm gonna yes. bring it back i keep getting requests i'm like i can't I do it right. it's a lot you know i work by myself i don't have a lot of people that work with me so it's just a lot for me to and i do everything from designing the graphics to the website to cutting the material mm-hmm. you know developing the patterns the food you very hands-on very hands-on I know because <laughs> I, I like it right I you know. know I got you now under in search of our gardens are there any products that are currently available right now yes I currently have a growth stimulating hair oil which is selling really good um and it's growing hair um like <laughs> sometimes I'm amazed I think as a creative we don't me I can't speak for everybody but like when we see results we're like oh my god Mm -hmm. it really worked I knew it was gonna work but some people are on their eighth and ninth bottle Mm -hmm. and they're sending these before and after pictures one client for example is my cousin she had to have surgery like on her hair her brain and she lost like all her hair on this side Mm -hmm. and she used it for two months her hair is all in Mm. and like it's more it's prettier now than it was before. Wow. Um, so we have the hair oil. We have the hair cream. I have a facial toner. I have a facial serum. And I have an eczema cream mm-hmm. that's doing really well, too. I suffer from eczema. Mm-hmm. But I started making my own products three years ago. And I haven't had a flare-up since. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I got to put this out for other people, especially kids. Because having eczema as a child, like, it really messed with my self-esteem because you have flare-ups and it gets all over your body and you can't control it. You itch really bad. And I just didn't want another child to go through that. So um, we have the eczema cream and the hair products. And I have plenty more coming in the next month. I'm going to start selling herbs. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go to these other places in Memphis to buy your herbs. You can shop with a woman of color. Um, And then I'll start selling plants and vegetables seasonally um, Mm -hmm. after next year. 
Yeah. And, you know, as women, even like in our age range right now, we're looking for, if we don't already have one, like a skincare mm-hmm. regimen. Yeah. Something natural, preferably. Yeah, I prefer natural. It's just like we have to get to a point where, and that goes back to In Search of Our Gardens, going back to using things that we have and being really um, good to our bodies and our skin and our temples, like, a lot of women of color, we are so busy doing so many other things and we don't take care of ourselves and we're not cognitive of what we're putting in our body or on our body. Mm-hmm. And it makes a difference, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I remember when I saw wearing weave because I was like, why the hell am I wearing weave? And, and there are studies showing, like, how that affects the psyche of women of color. I believe it. It does. Mm-hmm. It really does because you're putting somebody else's emotions. Oh, you know what I mean? It goes deeper than just an install Mm. (laughs) and a bundle. (laughs) Okay. But I was like, and after I started wearing weave is when all these start happening. I was like, okay, Mm. you know, it makes a difference. So just imagine what you're putting this out of your body, the foods you eat, the products you put on your skin. It's, it's, it's life changing. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what? Um, I've never been a weave person. Like, yeah. it's something about it. I was like, eh, I'm good. Like, it, I didn't want to touch yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know why. I think during that whole um, early 2000s when all these girls, I don't know what happened with me and weave. I should have never worn weave because I've always had long hair. Mm-hmm. It was just one of them trendy things, and it took my hair out. You know, and, and you have beautiful hair. Thank you. Yeah, I, I started taking you care went, of it. Uh, natural. Yes, yes, yes. And that was a journey. It was. It still is. It still is. <laughs> it still is. But I fully embraced my hair now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I wish a lot of other women. Natural is not for everybody. I will say mm-hmm. that. You know, your lifestyle really. Natural hair is work, but with anything, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, but I I really would like to see more women embrace natural things it don't have to be natural hair just embrace something that's natural and just realize how it affects your day-to-day and your emotions and your life overall overall Mm -hmm. now we're gonna end the pod very soon but before we do that andrea i want you to tell the audience what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as a serial entrepreneur (laughs) oh um Take care of your bit. Number one would be take care of your business first. I think as a creative entrepreneur, a lot of us get caught up in the creative part or the creative process, the act of doing and creating things. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you are in business and you're in business to make money. Mm -hmm. And you need to have things in place. You need to have an LLC. Mm -hmm. You need to manage your money as an entrepreneur um, and number two, you need to learn how to handle your clients, mm. how to say no and how to set boundaries. That's been one of the challenges for me, mm-hmm. um, not creating boundaries, which is why I have a whole separate Facebook page. People don't know I have, you know, because people will reach out to you through Facebook messenger about their projects when it's after hours, mm. you know, they'll, they'll see you out 
on Instagram because you post on your Insta stories and be like, well, she posts on her Insta stories. She can respond back to my email. Don't you hate that? Yes. It's like, <laughs> don't you get off work? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, <laughs> but setting boundaries. And number three, why four? Maybe ten. But <laughs> contracts, Um, handle your business with contracts. And the biggest thing is, like, don't give up. And allow yourself to be vulnerable throughout your process as an entrepreneur. At the end of that, you are a person and you have a business. And it's okay to evolve. I've had several businesses. And over time, I've evolved as a person. And I was never afraid to change. Like, my style has changed. I'm more of a minimalist. My my look is more minimal now because I have to be functional. I have a newborn and a 10-year-old. I can't walk around in six-inch heels all day long. Um, you know, I can't tell you to consume all these pieces of clothing, and I don't consume. That's not being true to myself. I'm not a heavy consumer. I just don't believe in overconsumption. Um, I believe in making my clothes or if I buy something, buy something of great quality that I can use for a long period of time or that I can pass down to a mirror. I'm no longer buying something, you know, off of Fashion Nova, you know, all day long when it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So I think people just need to not be afraid to evolve or change their businesses as they change, if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. Yeah. I love your evolution. Thank you. I really you. do. How can everybody get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. Well, my <laughs> don't be messaging. I, I, I just gonna say I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna plug my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when I sent y'all the handles, I'm like I'm not like, putting Facebook. Yeah, um, <laughs> but AndreaFenice.com. So that's A N D R E A Fenice F E N I S E dot com. In Search of Our Garden is in search of our garden dot com and Instagram, Andrea Finis. Wow. It has definitely been a pleasure, Soror. Andrea Finis. Yes, thank you for having in me. Search of our gardens brand. Thank you for coming and thank sharing you for having and being me. so transparent. No problem. I know the ladies are gonna love this. Yeah. Is that you have to be open. You, you know, do. you can't help and inspire people if you help. now I don't tell people everything. But, but you, you know, gotta share you you've yeah. shared a lot yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they needed to hear this. Definitely. Thank you, Lady. Thank You're you welcome. so much. Verbally effective in the book.